Hello everyone and welcome to the Middle East and North Africa Social Policy Network podcast series. We hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media. For more information, please visit our website at www.menasp.com. Welcome to the first podcast on the role of social policy in promoting human security in the MENA region. This was part of a roundtable organized by both the HCCA, the MENA Group Human Security, and the Early Career Researchers Initiative at the MENA Social Policy Network. My name is Tamara Cole, and together with Dr. Noor Alabas, I'm an ECR representative. The podcast series consists of four parts. In each, we have one speaker presenting his or her thoughts on the topic. For this session, we will be joined by Dr. Des Kasper, who is a Professor Emeritus of Human Development, Development Ethics and Public Policy at the Institute of Social Studies in The Hague. The ISS is a Graduate School of International Development Studies. Professor Des Kasper has written several studies on human security analysis. Before I give the floor to him, I would like to invite Dr. Rana Javad, as well as Dr. Des Kasper, for a few introduction words on the MENA Social Policy Network and the thematic group Human Security to start off the session. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Tamara. Welcome everyone. I'm Rana Jawad. I'm at the University of Bath, a senior lecturer in social policy and convener of the MENA Social Policy Network. So it's real honor to have you with us. Let's increase the numbers and and hopefully work together in uh, establishing the next generation of social policy researchers focused on the MENA region. Um, It's really great to collaborate with our colleagues um, at the HCDA as well. So thank you, Des and Tamara, for organizing this event. Um, So I'm just going to briefly speak to you about the MENA Social Policy Network, just as a background to why social policy is important, especially for understanding the issues that the MENA region faces and potentially how we can move forward. Certainly, I think the COVID pandemic, as usual, as any crisis does, um, emphasizes yet again uh, questions of social justice, social cohesion, um, and just really brings to the fore these two big um uh, interconnected concepts of prosperity and peace that all countries try try to work towards, or at least in terms of their aspirations. Um, so just sharing the screen here, if you're not already familiar with the network, then um, thank you for joining for the first time. And hopefully you'll find ways of connecting with us and, and we can also facilitate your engagement. Um, there's a lot of interesting information, and, and I believe the information specific to involvement is right at the end of the network um, website that you can see in front of you. Um, there's a range of um, activities that we try to do, uh, both in terms of encouraging research and research collaborations, but also in terms of sharing knowledge. So in that sense, um, the network tries to be just a neutral platform to share high quality critical research and also where possible to share knowledge um, so that we can improve our learning overall, whether we're engaged as practitioners in policymaking or whether we're in academia or whether whether we are independent um, researchers. Um, So we welcome your thoughts and we welcome your contributions. Um, There are various ways that you can be more involved. You can tell us about what you're doing. You can try and link with other researchers. 
Um, there are standard things like blogs that you could be involved in. And as you can see right at the top, there's all the tabs that can lead you to the various activities that we provide and try to facilitate. Um, if you're a PhD uh, graduate and you, you'd, you'd like to share more about your interesting research, we also run a series of essays, if you like, called Policy Innovation Case Studies, where we try to highlight um, innovations in problem solving related to social policy, specifically in the MENA region. But we also welcome comparative research and comparative insights, because often that's what's missing in the MENA region for a variety of historical and contemporary reasons um, is a little bit of an outlier um, in the theoretical literature on social policy and certainly in conflict prevention or conflict studies more broadly, there are ways in which um, this could be further updated. One big reason is because of the lack of data um, around MENA countries and specifically Arab countries. The situation is improving, but that's why, of course, we need to keep our emphasis on encouraging research and sharing knowledge um, in, a, in a way that's relevant for policy. Um, so, yeah, please spread the word, take time to get involved and, and stay tuned. Uh, we've got interesting projects um, that we'll hopefully we'll be um, talking more about and, 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 an interest and, a, and hopefully a, a, a very good commissioning um, activity that we're hoping to start where interested colleagues can also apply. Um, for grants to conduct research or to run seminars and knowledge exchange events. Um, I'll just end, if I may, by going back to this idea of social policy um, uh, and just to emphasize um, the focus of the network around social policy and what it means. Perhaps this is my own understanding, but again, this is a concept that perhaps together we can develop, which is that Clearly, social policy has something to do with the provision of public services and social welfare. Um, but perhaps that's the definition that tends to override other understandings of social policy that have to do with questions of political um, settlements and social cohesion. Um, and so in that sense, I would say it's important for us as a group, and hopefully we can grow and expand these ideas um, to think about how this idea of social policy is about a space between state and citizens, to hopefully openly discuss issues of rights and responsibilities and accountability, and, and that actually the policy process itself is a political act. Yeah, Basic questions about what services are available, how citizens find out about their eligibility um, to apply for services, how they might complain about a service that doesn't work well for them. All of these are basic building blocks of a political system that's accountable and that hopefully responds to social rights. And because of this deep connection to questions of social cohesion, I think the link to conflict prevention and human security that we're making today is just absolutely so timely. And I really want to thank Des and our, our, all our colleagues at ISS and Tamara for making this possible and certainly to welcome our colleagues from Bath, so Wali Aslam, for example, for being involved, because it seems that there are intuitive connections in thinking about the question of security, not just in, in the traditional terms of access to services and redistribution, but also about how community level grievances and how questions of social exclusion or inequality can also exacerbate lack of access 
um, to services and exclusion from the political process. Yeah, so hopefully these connections we can begin um, to discuss today and I look forward um, to developing these ideas with you all. Thank you so much. Yes, may I invite you to briefly introduce uh, the HDCA and to kick off uh, the presentations uh, as part of the panel. Thanks, Tamara. Thanks, everybody. Tamara and I um, uh, help uh, run a theme group on human security in the Human Development and Capability Association. It's a newish group, began two years ago. Um, uh, but the HDCA itself is about 20 years old and uh, is quite a large um, international research network and association, which has many theme groups, annual conferences, um, connection to the Journal of Human Development and Capabilities, uh, working relationships with UNDP. Um, so the HDCA is a fairly big uh, operation. It um, had a conference in Amman at one stage, I, I think around 2010. Um, and currently, like everyone, we have uh, shifted to lots of online events. And um, our, our theme group is very pleased to participate with you in in this event, which we hope also is the um, is part of uh, continuing sharing of and developing of ideas. Now I'm going to use a PowerPoint. It's based on a presentation uh, to the opening meeting of our theme group, but I've updated it uh, and tried to link it to today's agenda. The Arab Human Development Report 2009, which UNDP uh, sponsors its global annual human development report, and the 1994 such report was launching the idea of human security, at least the, the UNDP modern version of, of that idea. Um, and in 2009, uh, one of the series of Arab human development reports took up um, human security as its theme and is, at the time I thought was a very interesting, uh, worthwhile report. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from people um, how far it still has any uh, uh, recognition or relevance um, 12 years later. The Current version of human security in UN terms, um, so we can call this one of the UN policy languages, like human development, like human rights, um, trying to, in each case, humanize, focus on people, um, a concept, or a major global concept, development, rights, security. Um, and as a partner to the others, so not coincidentally, the uh, launcher of the UNDP um, expression of, of the human security idea was Mahbubul Haq, headed the Human Development Report Office, launched also the idea of human development. Um, 
And then working in the UN through the ni 90s, early and mid-90s, Huck um, saw the need to complement um, his human development concept with a concept of human security, um, to humanize security discussions, focus them on people, um, and also the implications for national security of neglecting people, um, and to enrich the human development discussion by a more dynamic um, attention to risks, threats, forces of disruption and destruction. You could describe this, um, in fact, let me go to a further screen, as whereas the human development um, work was explicitly centered on capability, um, ability to fulfill well-reasoned values, so what can people do of, of value in their life, and to center development thinking on that. Um, human security analysis adds focus on vulnerability of people. Um, in the same way, you can also see the complementarity between human rights thinking and human security thinking. Um, human security thinking stresses uh, the systems of interconnection um, that may produce threats and risks as well as opportunities and which affect the achievement of the values, the priorities, the requisites for human dignity stressed under the human rights uh, banner. And one can trace how, in fact, already from in the 1940s, and it's there in the language of um, the UN Charter and freedom from fear, freedom from want, free, etc., that the UN's rationale has always involved joint attention to development and rights and peace and security. So that partnership is intrinsic to why people need uh, the United Nations. The 1994 Human Development Report um, was a first step, one can say, but it's had surprising amount of continuing uh, use um, because it gives a broad picture of um, a basic sort of checklist of areas of uh, people's lives where um, attention is needed in, and the language of security as a prioritizing language is, is relevant beyond only fields of national and military security and um, avoidance of violence or exercise of violence. The list that was provided in that 1994 report is very rough and ready and incomplete and overlapping, and uh, but it proved relatively serviceable, at least in many studies, um, as a an initial agenda for attention, uh, for comparison, for looking for linkages. And for example, the Arab Human Development Report 2009 also more or less followed it. In elaboration of the ideas of human security, um, 
ideas about systems of structural disadvantage, uh, structural vulnerability, structural violence have been important and more and more elaborated. And the best example I know of this is in this book by uh, Dorothy Estrada Tunk, um, showing why human rights law has increasingly connected to human security arguments about how societal systems um, uh, affect individuals and the individualistic or more narrowly individualistic focus of traditional human rights analysis, not all human rights analysis, but much as exercised in courts, deciding who did what harm to what other person, whereas one needs to consider also how broader societal systems, not just individual acts, um, isolated individual acts, uh, may cause harm, uh, basic harm to vulnerable people. So that's stressing two types of interconnection. There's the interconnection of threats, um, one thing leading to another, um, and it's the interconnectedness of people. And within human security thinking, quite influential is the idea of common security, um, that one group cannot be sustainably secure while other groups that it lives with are insecure. Um, and even in grander language, term of community of fate, uh, originally, uh, I think, a French uh, concept. And connecting then to the rationale for public goods at various levels, local, national, global. So that's the sort of origin of um, current human security language within the UN system and in relationship to human development and human rights. Now I want to say something about um, content. Uh, I'll have to be very brief. Um, one can see there's this concept of security of the basic requirements of ordinary people. Um, and then that has been built on and worked with and added to, to give what we can call an analytical perspective or frame of which there are various versions. Um, and leading out of that, various applications in policy planning and governance. A lot of it we could say is at the level of policy philosophy. So it's broad principles, it's um, ideas about Yes, empowerment and protection is, uh, uh, so not only protecting people, but empowering them. This is a study from GPAC, um, a uh, peace building uh, global uh, network, which uses human security uh, ideas quite a lot. Um, ideas of precaution, ideas of common security, ideas of the complementarity of peace development and human rights, as I mentioned. So a lot of this is a, is at the level we could say of a broadly motivating, orienting policy philosophy. But there's also considerable work at the level of particular tools. Um, some of that is 
new work, so say on human security indices, some of it is, most of it is connecting to existing relevant other work, such as in scenarios analysis. It's not a tight package of um, procedures and so on. It's a, it's a family of constructs um, which are used by various organizations, groups in various ways. So here in the Arab uh, Human Development Report, it had its own definition of, um, of the concept, the objective, um, and its own sort of version of a fuller perspective. And uh, there are various, way, various sort of specifications of what may exactly uh, be included in the concept and then in the broader perspective. Here's one from the Han Routledge Handbook of Human Security, um, Amartya Sen was a co-founder of the concept uh, working with Huck and uh, some of this is a norm, the focus on people, focus on basic needs fulfillment and some of this is the within the analytical perspective of seeing lives in societal and environmental systems and uh, as exposed to threats that can connect, that can produce disruptive downward spirals. And there are various other um, expositions, uh, but I think it's helpful to distinguish between the concept or norm and the uh, analytical frame. Um, and then beyond that, the sort of policy philosophy. Here, something sort of at the intersection of um, analytical frame and um, policy philosophy, because it's not very sharp um, policy uh, analysis framework, but it's a checklist of basic security questions, which with a, my colleague Oscar Gomez, we did in what is, I think, still the Human Development Report's Office Guidance Note on a Human Security Study. So a basic checklist about, well, whose security is everybody, which is not an innocuous, not a, not a banal question, because in many cases, some groups are omitted and downgraded. So it's everybody's security, and then there are issues of what are basic needs, what are priorities in, in the particular context, uh, against which threats, who, who is to respond, um, using what instruments and with what target levels and uh, uh, normic uh, thresholds. And fundamental is, and who decides, or who, whose perception of values and threats and and priorities is determinant. And we use this a bit in that uh, guidance note and also in some recent work. Since the 1994 Human Development Report, there's been lots and lots of work in various areas which calls itself human security related. Um, lots of it is connected to armed conflict, um, or so-called in the 1994 language, personal security. In other words, it's about crime, it's about violence, not necessarily in wars or civil wars, but uh, still violence-centered um, or crime-centered. And uh, that's prominent here in the Routledge Handbook, but there's lots of other um, 
work of significance, cumulative, interesting in other areas. And the approach has also evolved to get beyond just those boxes which were listed in the 1994 report to think about how priorities may be situation-specific and are also partly um, how they are perceived, how they link to people's um, culture um, is variable. And so the work has evolved beyond that list of seven boxes from 1994. Within um, the personal security box, though that's a very big one, and lots of work, especially in Latin America, that now uses the title citizen security, working on crime and violence, and uh, quite interesting because there's a recurrent massive disparity between perceived uh, threat and measured threat. And that may be because then the measurements are wrong, or it may be because the perceptions are um, unbalanced, but it certainly generates very interesting research agendas and work in many other areas, um, uh, disasters, climate change, uh, migration, and gender. Quite a few uh, gender scholars uh, found the formulations around structural vulnerability, multiple um, f uh, interacting forms of insecurity uh, uh, within human security literature, a, a good tool, a good way of um, looking at um, lives of women and similarly for other marginal groups. And here's an example. This is a, a book that I, and I know and uh, thought was very good. Various um, national and regional human development reports uh, commissioned by UNDP or done independently um, have used a human security framework. And some of them are within the uh, boxes of citizen security, so crime and violence, or within the box of uh, armed conflict, um, and then often on with a focus on state building within such contexts. But others are um, more, so they pick up what they think are priority security challenges in the time and place concerned. So that's the last column here. And some are um, trying to compare, review all um, major threats and uh, and then look at linkages, look at priorities, and then, then for, maybe be a prelude to a follow-up focused study. So the Arab countries um, 2009 report was a comprehensive uh, report. And with uh, Oscar Gomez um, uh, and other colleagues, we have surveyed uh, this work and uh, uh, two or three papers available because this region-specific or nationally-specific human security investigation can be very interesting. Lastly, um, then reviewing roles. I said it's a sort of, I see it as a policy philosophy, so it's not a tight package of um, evolved tools. Um, there are some tools and you can connect to many sorts of tools but it's 
centrally a um, policy perspective, um, and it allows flexible exploration of experiences of insecurity. And what has emerged in, in these sorts of studies is recognition of how insecurity as experienced is depends on the intersection of many factors. Um, as a result of that, it's often surprising what actually are the insecurities and or what are perceived as the insecurities. And it needs case-specific investigation. And the experience of insecurity is subjective um, to significant extent. Um, so we have to study experienced insecurity in a flexible way. Um, quite a lot of the uh, national and regional human development reports have began, and other work on human security began to do combine both objective and subjective measures um, uh, re and reports. And you find a bit of that also in the Arab States uh, study of 2009. So the reference to the subjective measures or the self-specified um, measures of um, uh, security and insecurity are, very, are helpful for understanding and also for identifying values that may be felt and overlooked. And this comparison between the objective measures and the quote subjective measures, um, as I mentioned, often indicates interesting disparities. And so the Benin study here um, noticed big differences between the districts of the country in from its human development index and the human security index. Human security index was based on subjective uh, specification of insecurity. Um, and so we have a research agenda here um, in which you can compare, um, this is from our UNDP guidance note, um, you can compare how experts perceive issues and how public or particular publics um, perceive issues. And uh, sometimes they uh, uh, consistent, but not necessarily right, and sometimes they are very interestingly inconsistent. Lastly, um, and connected to this, here's a recent paper by Larson and colleagues about uh, how they are found the co concept of human security relevant for looking at risk modeling. The second of their comments is the obvious one that Human security is a broad concept. It makes them look broadly, so it encompasses a range of threats. So it helps them to design their study of risk um, uh, in an open way. Um, but then further, the human security concept allows us to focus on individuals and local communities' perceptions uh, and allows integration of local cultural dimensions and risk perception and social construction. I could go on, but I'm going to stop. So um, back to you, Tamara. With that, I would like to thank Professor Descasper for sharing his thoughts. The presentation can also be found in the link. For the next podcast, 
we have Dr. Mahmoud Meskoub, who will discuss the topic within the context of the MENA in further detail and who will set out the potential for social policy and the challenges for realizing human security. We hope that you will join us then. Thank you.